Thanks for listening to My Fate Sports. My name is Lyric. Going to be mostly an NBA episode with the close of the finals and my team, the Celtics, losing in tragic fashion. Going to bring my buddy Andrew on to talk about uh, the finals. He is a Suns fan, so we talk about some coping methods of how to deal with sports depression with your team losing in the finals. And we talk a little bit about the draft as well. Bringing on my buddy Dakota, who's a Rockets fan. We talk about the lottery with his team selecting Jabari and kind of where his head was at throughout the lottery in the draft. And then last but not least, my buddy Brandon, who is my go-to depressed Kings fan to talk about how the Kings once again made a very, very interesting decision in the draft. Hope you enjoy. All right, let's bring on Andrew, my go-to Suns fan friend. We have to have a conversation. Uh, Both of our teams lost in the NBA finals on back-to-back years. I come to you seeking advice tips and tricks on how to cope with this loss not a ton to say you just it's just <laughs> hurt you just hurt. i got nothing i got um, nothing for you i'm still i'm still trying to recover um still have nightmares you know wake up cold sweats thinking about Giannis and that yeah. lob on <laughs> deandre the drew um, holiday game oh incredible there's there's some similarities um, between our two teams losing yeah. In these last couple of years, I think the Suns and Celtics have some things in common, you know, Tatum and Booker, Mikel Bridges and Jalen Brown kind of, you know, similar type roles. And then just like the young core and then adding a vet and Chris Paul, we bring back Horford, similar players who have never gotten over the hump first time, both of them in, in the finals. And then we both lose to all time great players. What can you do? Yeah. And that, that I guess is a silver lining because it was weird. Obviously it sucks to lose, but when we lost to Giannis, you know, I was like deep down, I was like, man, respect, love that guy. He deserved it. Um, and Steph, you can definitely feel the same way. Draymond, different story, but yeah, Steph, absolutely tip your hat too. The Draymond thing was just kind of fun. And I like that it ended well, you know, like he respects the Boston crowd and like, that's just the heat of the moment. It's not like it's a real yeah. beef. It's going to last forever, but that's just like what it is. And I think he gets that and was okay with it. It wasn't like he was doing all like the racist stuff that other guys have done in the past. So I appreciate that. Steph's probably my favorite player ever. That's a non Celtic. Um, I, I still have his, his basketball shoes, the Steph twos that came out in like 2015 ish. So I'm, I'm kind of a Stepher here. I mean, wow. I was a, I was a fan of Steph when it was Steph and Monte Ellis. I like that, that backcourt as a pair and then they, you know, made the right decision moving on from Monte and riding with Steph. So I've been a yeah. Steph guy for a while. Um, I always get in arguments with other buddies about Steph over LeBron. You know, I know it's, it's a bad <laughs> argument, but I would, I would legitimately rather have Steph. If I were to draft a player to my franchise, I would rather have. Okay. Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, magic, Larry, Tim Duncan, and Steph. That, those are like the guys that you would want for like your whole franchise, like the length of their career. Because LeBron ain't for staying. Sure. Because LeBron ain't staying. Like, that's just the, the bottom line. That's what it comes down to. Like, the dude loyal to a fault almost, you know? Like, yeah. he, those last two years of just rebuilding, they had the worst record in the league. Yeah. And now they're back on top. And they proved that they could do it without KD. Like, just so cool. The um, Warriors were legitimately my finals pick before the season started. And like halfway through the season as well. I mean, we know the pain of my Celtics bet. So I bet the Celtics at 30 30 to one, like around the all-star break before they went on like the absolute tear to win the championship. It was an insane bet. And it got all the way to game six and I never cashed out. I just let it ride. So I I lost it. But ouch, that's the hard part. Talk about coping. It's the loss hurts. But what hurts probably even more is just acknowledging the window and that was our year ad goes down Kawhi goes down um i mean just we had the way laid for us Mm. and then Giannis just popped it and (laughs) uh same thing with the celtics too we sweep the nets which was the closest sweep ever and then middleton's out huge favor and then the the heat are in the conference finals and they're not the best team and they've still pushed it to seven 
So it's like if Middleton's playing, we're not winning that series. So Probably like this not. was the win, and then you get the Warriors, and we were favored against the Warriors. I was, I didn't agree with that, but heavily too. Yeah, and that like that's the window because next year you have no idea what the landscape's going to look like with the Heat, the Bucks, the Nets. Like you have no idea what what's going to happen. So you just you have to strike while the iron's hot, right? Like these windows do not last long; they're in and out. It's so tough. I don't know, man. Part of me thinks Chris is just kind of checked out. He locked in that big contract, and he's just – I feel like it's a coast to the end thing. Then there's games where he goes 14 for 14 against the Pelicans and dashes their hopes and dreams. And I'm like, okay, well, let's keep this up. But yeah, I think the age is getting to him, and I don't know. Wish I could say otherwise. I'm just in a pessimistic mood about the Suns lately, unfortunately. Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's (laughs) – uh, it's been our I fate. mean, Chris had like four or five consecutive terrible games to close out the season, mm. and Tatum also had a you know good first game one and then a decent game three. But then the last, I mean, we lost three straight games to the Warriors to close out the season, and you guys last year lost four straight to the Bucks to cl- lose it out. So it's uh, it's tough. The only silver lining to me is I'm happy that it was Steph over anyone else in the league. Like, if it was LeBron, I would have hated that. Pretty much any other team, I would have hated it way more than, you know, losing to Steph on their, like, revenge tour after KD's gone. You know, it's way better. thousand percent. And that's exactly how I felt with Giannis. I was like, this dude, like, I don't see how you can root against him. He's just the best. Everything you'd want, both of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So – I, I totally get that. With with Jason Tatum, though, like, what do you think happened down the stretch? So my theory on Tatum is that starting in the playoffs, he took on, like, the superstar offensive role, as in, like, initiating the offense, bringing the ball up the court, starting everything. He wasn't really doing that the majority of the season. It was more smart that was bringing it up and initiating. But for some reason in the playoffs – they like threw him in like the LeBron Luka Doncic role, you know, of like, you're the superstar now. Like he's basically playing point guard and that's how you end up with the most turnovers ever in a playoff run. I'm not like devastated by that stat. Cause if you look at number two is LeBron and then every other guy on that whole list is like the best 15 players of all time, short of maybe like one or two guys. So I'm not like losing sleep over that. I wish that they had, if they were planning on doing that in the playoffs that they would have, had him in that role the majority of the season because he just did not seem totally comfortable with it. His passing and reading offense has improved like insane um, amounts from his rookie year. Like rookie year, he was like staying on the wing, wait for the ball and go do his thing. Now he's like the guy and uh, he just wasn't doing that all year until the playoffs. So that was a big adjustment for him. And then he just has to like figure out how to play off double teams and figure all those things out solve all those things that different teams throw at you in the playoffs. And we just didn't have like, you know, there was talks about John Wall and what's going to happen with him. I think if we had John Wall on our team in the playoffs, even if it's like if we had 70% of prime John Wall, like I think we could have won because John Wall's not afraid of big moments, sometimes to his detriment, but he can dribble the dang ball. He's not going to turn it over every other play. I think John Wall would have been a pretty good fit to go along at in our point guard spot. But that's that's basically my read on Tatum. Because game six against Milwaukee, when they were up 3-2, he had like 46 and whatever else. He can play really well in big games. And then to go to the finals, like he won the Eastern Conference. Uh, what do they call it? Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Presented so, by Larry Bird. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. They couldn't even get Larry in the building to give it to yeah. something. But then we just, we, you know. And the finals is just different. I think maybe it was a little bit bigger of a stage. Jalen was really impressive in the finals. If we won, he was going to win finals MVP. He's definitely not scared. Um, Tatum was a little bit deer in the headlights, a little bit rattled. And I think it was just the new offensive role for him that he wasn't used to playing all year. First winner of the Bob Cousy trophy, first winner of the Larry Bird trophy. We get second place. What can you do? And uh, the yeah. East, we'll see what it looks like next year. But who knows how long the window's open, right? You just never know. That's the toughest part about it is yeah. just, it's a different thing if like, you know, 
Giannis stole it from the Suns, which he ended up doing. But the Bucks were also favored going into that series, and we took two quick ones, but not the case. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, I mean, with as heavily favored as the Celtics were, I mean, you could say Steph and the Warriors stole it, but those dudes rode in with so much confidence. They yeah. they peaked at the very end. And, and they've been there a million times. They got better every game. The yeah. role players improved. Our role players kept getting worse and worse and worse. You're not going to win a final. Like, there's always role players that step up in every finals to uh, put their team over the edge, and our role players just freaking sucked. And theirs were good. Like, Wiggins looked like an actual all-star for the first time in his career. I know. Yeah. An all-star starter. And pool <laughs> pool hits like two third quarter buzzer beaters. It sucks. But the Warriors have been there a million times. They had like 123 cons- like collective finals games played in their careers, and the Celtics had zero. The Celtics were favored solely based on like deep analytics and defensive ratings and all that. But anyone that really knew what was going on knew the Warriors should have been favored just solely based on the experience and not being afraid. Yeah, which ultimately becomes the biggest factor. Oh. All right. So, all right. I'm tired of being depressed. I was just getting sad over times. It. Yeah. Close that door. Uh, you watched the draft. Were you watching it live or were you following on Twitter and stuff? I was really excited about this draft. Um, it's always fun when things aren't really set, but there's a lot of high profile players. And so leading up to it, yeah, I was definitely like keeping on my radar. And, and then, you, you already like yeah, college watched, basketball more than most people. Yeah, I, I do. I do try to follow college hoops. Um, and so a lot of guys that I liked in there, honestly. So it was, it was I think this will be a really good draft class. I really mm. do. Who's your favorite? Year, who's your favorite, you know? like, non-top four players? I'm going to come out of left field with this one. But – and this could come back and just bite me in the butt. But Andrew yes. Nemhard from Gonzaga. I know, right? No clue. First, <laughs> Explain yourself. First pick, first pick of the second round. Wow. So, I mean, big reason for that one. Just like the ultimate floor general. I watch a lot of Gonzaga games. And, you know, you got Timmy and Chet. and Chet, uh, Suggs. Yeah. So, you had, you had some sets. I don't know. He was, he's to me, like the ultimate glue guy. Just gets it done. Keeps his cool. Hits shots when they need him to go down. Like I'm saying, that's. That's coming out of left field. No one was expecting that. Who picked but, him? Uh, uh, the Pacers. So he was, he was even projected to go late second round, mm. and he was the first pick of the second round to the Pacers. Yeah. Okay, I have like a draft ethics question. I hate that every pick is announced on Twitter before it happens. Terrible, yeah. And it's like a battle between Woj and Shams and like all the NBA guys. And sometimes it's wrong. And it just totally like deflates the anticipation, the moment. Like, why are they doing that? I don't understand why that's even a thing. We're we're all watching it live. Why are you it's like it's like imagine sitting in a movie theater and five minutes before like the climax of the movie happens, someone tells you like what character dies. Like you just get a text. Like that's super annoying. It's it's a grade A spoiler. I don't know why it ever became a thing and why that's even allowed. It's like, hey, Woj, we know you're the guy. We know you got all the everybody yeah. on speed dial, but like, hold your horses, man. Like, just let us watch. Yeah, I appreciate those guys during. Draft. I appreciate those guys during free agency. Like, it's not like a draft where it's it's an event. You know, free agency exactly. is kind of like an unfolding process. But so I appreciate him for that. But the draft, like. Just let the commissioner announce it and let's all hear it live. Right. Just hold your horses, man. Like, yeah. And then they really have to figure out how to smoothen out explaining trades as they go on. And then mm. I, I always hate, you know, you get drafted by this team and you're wearing that team's hat, but you're actually going to be playing for them. And so yeah. they need to figure something out with that. The NFL doesn't have these problems. Why does the NBA have it? Yeah, like you guys are smart. You can figure it out. Let's just do the top five picks. What was your preference if you were drafting, maybe based on fit for the team or just overall best players? What were your opinions on like the top five guys? And then what did you think about the way it unfolded? I used to be more of a draft for fit. Mm. I thought that was just 
that just made more sense. And then you started listening um, to Rosillo. I've started, I've become a disciple of Rosillo. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that influences how I feel about this draft, but draft the best player and then figure it out. Like, yeah. and that, and that goes for every league and we always see it, you know, the teams that are just like, well, we like what we have and let's just get what we need instead of this perennial talent that's still available somehow. I think um, it's okay to draft for fit if you're like one piece away from like winning a exactly. championship, then like it's acceptable, you know, but uh, which none of these teams ever are. Cause that's yeah. why they're in the top. Yeah. That's <laughs> why you're picks. in the lottery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that being said, I, yeah, definitely listen to a lot of Rosillo. I really thought Paolo <laughs> was at this point in time, he's the best all around player to me. Um, and he's got a really high ceiling still. Um, I Jabari saw a ton of his games, best shooter by far of those top three. Um, and just a really good, like he can hang in the pressure cooker. Um, I think, and obviously there's all the talk about his guards and how they were terrible at Auburn, which is true. So he'll get an upgrade jumping up to this league, but will he, um, does he get an upgrade of guards going to Houston? I mean, Talent wise, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they going to share the ball with him as much, Jalen? I mean, come on, man. Give yeah, him we'll support see. here. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I feel like Jalen will mature. Um, yeah. He seems like a he's, like he's got his head on straight. He wants to win games and not just ball out. Like I'm a some, believer. Some I'm a believer in Jalen Green. Yeah, I I think he'll figure it out. Um, but, but you watch a lot of Gonzaga. That, you weren't a big check guy, or are you? I, I like Chet, and I think it's true that of the three, he does probably have, you know, a higher ceiling slightly, though. I don't know. It's like – it's tough because we were we were talking about this earlier. I mean, the dude is one mean box out away from, from a dislocated hip. Mm. And you brought up that guy is going to be Marcus Smart. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's just one hit. And the dudes out. They need to you know? stagger Chet and Marcus Smart's minutes when uh when they're playing against each other. Do not do not let <laughs> them be on the floor at the same time. <laughs> no Chet way. will break in half. Yeah. And so part of me is there too. And I just as good as Chet is, probably got the best basketball IQ out of all of them, knows yeah. the game, understands it. His so instincts long and- his instincts on both ends of the court and how like fluid he is. It's really impressive. He's cool. But it's, I mean, the NBA, like, they get faster, stronger, bigger every time you jump up to that. And his frame frame doesn't seem like a frame that's going to be able to, like, bulk up that well. Like, he's always going to be a slimmy boy. Exactly. And, like, I mean, people can try to say, well, look at KD. Can you really, though? Like, he's, he's still got muscle on him. It's... It's not coming in skin and bones like this guy is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, Chet is seven foot 190. That's crazy. It's yeah. um, a liability. I think Chet is the most unique prospect probably in a while, though, just with his frame and size and ability, like how skilled he is and can shoot. Like, really interesting prospect. Seems like a perfect fit for OKC. I think I'm a Jabari guy, to be honest. Like, call me crazy, but I like uh, the guy that can shoot the ball the best in the game of basketball out of the three. And uh, his body body type just seems like it's going to transition the best. Like, could Paulo just be, like, a slightly taller Julius Randle here in a couple years? Like, is that a plausible outcome? Absolutely. I mean, one-time all-star, you know, who knows? And Julius, he was a lottery pick, too, but... Not the number one pick, but Paulo, I don't know. Eh, I'm I, I'm not like he doesn't knock my socks off, but like when I watch Jabari and Chet, like that, they really kind of pop off the screen to me. And so does yeah. Jaden Ivey. And that brings us to the Pistons. <laughs> Man, they had they had an awesome draft. They they also got very lucky with Jaden Ivey, you know, dropping to them. That was probably not on their radar, but with the Kings anything's possible right so the best spot in the draft is always drafting right after the kings oh no doubt because you know that player's going places yeah 
that was really weird. I have my friend uh, Brandon on to talk about that. So we'll, we'll dive more into the King stuff with him, but I asked Brandon this as well, but if you were to have a selection of two, you know, Fox, Halliburton, and Ivy and Davion Mitchell, what two are you taking out of those four? Ivy and Halliburton. Yeah, that seems like the obvious right pick. But the Kings have taken the other two. Fox has flashes, but I don't know. It's just, it seems like it fluctuates. It's kind of gone so. stale. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think wins rookie of the year? I don't know if Jalen Green will allow Jabari to win rookie of the year, but Chet, I, Chet and Jaden Ivey, I would say, are probably the two odds on favorites to win rookie of the year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I'd probably even lean more towards uh, Ivy. Yeah. I just think uh, the Magic, I don't know that they want to put all the pressure on Palo yet, yep. and I don't think that they have to. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to let Franz just yeah go at it. Yeah. Let's see what you can do, man. And they, they have a pretty balanced roster as well. Yeah. I think Ivy's just going to pop off the screen to everybody, and I think Cade is passive enough to where he'll allow him to shine. Definitely. And now, you know, no Jeremy Grant. So Cade's going to want help. Um, and Ivy, that dude doesn't shy away from the moment. Like, he'll step up. Yeah. All right, Andrew. Thanks for being on. All right, brother. See ya. All right. Let's bring on Dakota. Dakota, it was a wild night for you. You're a Houston Rockets fan sitting at number three. What, what was your, like, gut reaction when the lottery happened and you got the third pick? Was it a little relieving where it's like we don't have to make a really hard decision? We just get whichever the three guys falls to us? I mean, I, I was definitely hoping. Uh, everyone's hoping for the number one pick. You know, that's, that's yeah. the most ideal. Um, that's why you lose all those but, games. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why we do what we do, you know? But this, this is one of those drafts where I really, in my opinion, didn't matter if you got one, two, or three. Um, yeah. Because you weren't going to walk out losing. So I, I was cool with getting number three. But I, going into the draft, I de- I mean, everyone, for the most part, thought we would be drafting Paolo um, and that Jabari would go first and Chet. So in the moment, I was like, like when he when he got up and announced their pick, I was like shocked that mm. they announced Paolo because I was – I was already settled in on Palo. I was starting to picture how he'd fit in the team and all this different stuff. And so when they announced him at number one, I was just, that's when I texted you. I was like, Oh my God, it's getting wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just some thoughts on each of the guys. I I kind of always liked Chet just because he's like such a unique prospect. Like I'm trying to find someone to compare him to. I think, like Bull Bull, you remember him from a few years ago, just that yep. super tall guy from Oregon. Like their play style is not really the same, but probably the closest like body type, even though Bull Bull is like a little bit thicker. Super tall, slim, handle and shot. I feel like the difference with Chet is that he's way more like engaging on offense and defense. Like his instincts is like floating around. Like he's just always doing the right thing, always moving. Where Bull Bull was just kind of always looking for his own shot. And it was like mostly threes and like mid-range stuff. Chet's motor, too, is super high. I kind of like Chet going into the draft as, like, the the number one player. I get, like, all the risks of, like, he's probably going to get injured soon. Like, he's just really awkward body, and it it doesn't seem to last very well in the NBA. But it always seemed like he was the perfect fit for OKC at at two. So I feel like he landed in the right spot. Well, and what you said, too, about, you know, potential injury is what scared me about Chet. Yeah. like, if, they, if you just ask me, hey, what, what's one reason you wouldn't watch it? It's just, you know, seven-footers scare me. You, you just never know if you're going to get a guy who never plays or not. Well, not only a seven-footer, but, like, a seven-footer that weighs, like, 190 pounds. <laughs> you know? Which, like, I mean, if, if you have a coordinated seven-footer, like, someone who can move like Chet, like, I feel like, you know, they're going to be a lot less injury-prone than someone who's a little more awkward, like a Rudy Gobert, for example. Yeah. Someone big and awkward they tend to, to get injured a little bit more but you just never know yeah like Andrew Bynum yeah big big clumsy awkward but like human beings just don't look like Chet like he's just such a unique <laughs> human I, I'm so interested to see how it's gonna work with OKC it seems like the perfect fit like they have Poku uh Shea Josh Giddy. like I just feel like that team kind of has that like awkward vibe of like they're almost playing like Euro ball there at this point did you want Palo out of the three, or did you just settle on Palo because that's what it looked like you were going to get? 
it's probably a little bit of the of the latter. You talked you talked yourself into him, like yeah. I think I, I think I might talk myself into it. But that being said, I I honestly feel like it's it's a win win either way, whether it's Jabari or Paolo. I mean, they're both uh-huh. they both add some size, um, and they're both very athletic. But that being said, like coming out on the other end, and this just might be me convincing myself because now I know we're getting Jabari, but mm. I am pretty excited about having Jabari. You know, he's a he's a lot more of a, you know, I want to say like a, a Kevin Durant in terms of like all right, settle big, down, tall dude. <laughs> we drafted Kevin Durant. Wait, so a guy like, over six nine that can shoot? He must be Kevin exactly. Durant. Yeah, this is Kevin Durant. We got <laughs> Kevin Durant. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I think Paulo is probably like the player out of the three that's closest to his ceiling right now, like closest to where he's going to be as, as a player. I don't know how many more like levels up he can go to. He's just like a muscle guy. Like that's his total offensive game. Mm. I, I think it's going to translate fine. He'll be okay. Like maybe he's just like a Julius Randall type, um, but I don't think he's like a, a superstar, best player on the best team, you know, 10 time all-star. I don't really see that. But I think Jabari at the like the day of, I was like, you know what? I just think Jabari's the best player. I don't think he's gonna fail at all. He's not gonna get injured, probably like Chet. And he has like more levels to go up than Paulo does. I think he can improve his handle um, and defense. And then like he can totally unlock some things. I think he's a really unique, like wing big hybrid. And we went back and forth on this read. Like he's a big, I'm like, I think he's more of a wing. Like he's both, like really. He's, like, thick enough to play, like, small ball five, but he's, like, a prototypical four. He's, like, a Chris Bosh-ish where you can kind of float between. His shot is, like, beautiful. Like, it's textbook. Like, it's smooth as butter. And he's – I feel like he's really composed. Like, he doesn't get, like, hurried or rushed or, like, frantic. He's really, like, instinctive with quick passes. He's comfortable, like, with his back to the basket, really even-killed, athletic. I think he's – gonna be like get stronger you know how tatum came in like kind of slim and now tatum's like a buff dude yeah i feel like jabari kind of has a similar frame to that where like he can put a ton of muscle on and like get thick and i think that i think most importantly is he'll be a good compliment to Jalen green like if, if you're the rockets and your plan is to build around your two picks mm. from the past two years like you know they're they're both different in size and in position enough to where i think they can complement each other on the court kind of like you said earlier about Jalen Brown and, and Tatum and their their dynamic, we might be able to get something like that going on. Yeah, I feel like um, Jabbar is like if Tatum's the twelve point font font size, I feel like you just increase <laughs> it to eighteen and you get Jabari Smith. You just bump it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's, that's good. Hit the arrow up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, and I think he's got a chip on his shoulder now that he was pick number three instead of probably expecting to go number one. So he's probably got a little edge to him now. And I think he'd be fun to play with. Like, I wonder how Jalen Green feels about it. That'd, that'd be my thing. Like, what's his input? How willing of a, of a teammate is he going to be? Because I know you don't, you don't have the highest opinion of Jalen Green, but you like him. Yeah, and I will say one thing about Jalen Green is that he's been, according to co- coaches and staff and stuff, like he's been really humble and, and willing to learn and, Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he started the season off horribly this past year, you know, like he was terrible. Yeah. Um, and then he ended looking really good. You know, his last six, the last six of his seven games, he had over 30 points each, you know, granted we yeah. lost them, all, but, <laughs> but by design, no, by design, by design. Yeah. And, and it showed, but it showed that like, he's starting to figure himself out. Um, and coach Silas attributed that to like his willingness to learn and listen. So, I, I think they'll be able to work together. Where where we might see some hiccups is, you know, if Jabari Smith does have that desire to prove himself after going third and gets put on a team that I believe is still planning on throwing the season again. Yeah. Um, you know, that might not mesh well. It, it, it's really it's really weird. We can we can talk about their future in a second. Yeah. Well, it's just like that. it's like how many seasons do you tank for, you know? Like, how many seasons is OKC going to be bad? How many seasons is Houston going to try to stay in the lottery? Like, at what point do you have enough guys to be like, all right, let's, like, try to go for it now? I think that the Rockets' plan is to – I think this is going to be their – this 2022-23 season is is their final season of tanking it. <laughs> Intentionally because, tanking. Because, you know, we've got uh, we've got all these expiring contracts and we've got John Wall's contract and stuff. Right now it's projected that in – summer 2023 we're gonna have 
70 million dollars of cap space open Mm. so i think that the plan is try to get another top pick again going into next year like into that summer and then use that 70 million to i mean if you if you think about it we can we already have Jalen green and we have jabari smith now we have Mm -hmm. a couple great players then you draft another top five pick top four pick and then you still have cap space to sign like two yeah 30 million dollar contract players like you know we could seriously like stack a team pretty quickly next year if that's the route they go yeah and houston like texas overall seems to be like a decent free agent spot you know it's not like a place where nobody wants to go so it's plausible. I think that Jalen Green has like some star potential in him. Like best case scenario, he's like, you know, a Kobe type, like a super athletic scorer that's going to, you know, average 25 to 27 points. And Jabari, I think he has a very low fail rate just because of his shot and his size. Like he's going to put up points. Like those guys can both score the ball really well. So I think you got a pretty good duo there. And maybe one of them becomes a, a superstar and one of them's just an all-star, you know? And then, yeah. and then you just fill it around them with other good role players and follow the Celtic model. Whenever you're in doubt, just look to the Celtics. <laughs> what are they doing? How can I be like them? You got Tatum Brown. One of them is going to be a little better than the other, but they're both going to be all-stars. Build it around with vets and defense. Hire the right coach, and you'll get to the finals and lose in six. Yeah, the difference is we're trying to win. In the <laughs> no <laughs> shame in losing in six. Maybe we need to change up our strategy a little bit from the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely potential. I mean, especially if you have a situation like the Clippers a couple years ago when you have two superstars who come together and join a new team Uh same year. If you're going to be in that situation, if you're going to have a buddy, you're a superstar, you have another superstar friend, you're looking to team up, and you look at the Rockets who now have this, like, crazy depth and a lot of room to pay both of you. Yeah. It might be ideal. Or they can just use that cash face to – sign up several other like great players that can circle around Jalen and Jabari Smith. Right. It's weird Jabari. It's kind of like Jalen and Jason for the Celtics, Jalen Jabari. Like it sounds right. You can call them. It sounds good. Is their name? Yeah. yeah. You brought up a good point though the other day when we were talking about. Oh yeah. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. Which is rare for you. So that's why I figured I would bring it up on the podcast. Broken clock (laughs) is still right twice a day. Yeah. (laughs) is you never know you never know like what this losing mentality does to like these new players of like hey welcome to the league we're just gonna we're just gonna lose that's all we're here to do these next couple seasons like (laughs) how do you how do you go from that to like okay now we want you to be somebody who's committed to winning and have that mentality like right if that, that that's a strange switch and we'll see if it works out but yeah like tatum and brown were in the eastern conference finals their rookie years Brown made it his first two years. Tatum was in his rookie year, you know, slammed it on LeBron. You know, we all remember that. That was rookie year. <laughs> but it is weird. It is weird to, like, have a losing mentality and then be like, okay, now we're going to win. Like, wait, I've been losing for five years doing whatever I want. Now you want yeah. me to, like, play responsibly, not turn the ball over and, like, close games out, right? Yeah. And our know. owner, our owner for Tita, he's like, I have no goal for wins this year. That's what he <laughs> said? No, yeah, he's like, I have no, like, number of wins that I want us to get to like yeah it, it's super strange and like they're the organizations like making comments of like oh we want to build a winning mentality but part of that is not winning too much so that we can rebuild property out of it it's it's so weird dude I don't know what team in the last 20 years has like tanked really hard and then won a championship I don't know if that team exists uh, well the Warriors well they tanked because they're two best players were injured like they didn't really it's not it wasn't like they intentionally like bench guys i mean yeah i mean they didn't they saw their opportunity and they took it to get a lottery pick for but sure. wiseman didn't even play a minute all season they won a championship <laughs> true so i mean the trust the process thing like with philly too it's like you now you only have Embiid. Fult is gone. Simmons is gone. You know, the hit rate's still like a shot in the dark. Like, just always try to be competitive, I guess. But yeah, got to get those high picks. Overall, though, I think you should feel great about the draft. You were in a position – you are in a no-lose position. You you had to take whatever player fell at three, and I legitimately think you got the player that has the lowest fail rate. If I was the number one pick, I probably would have taken Jabari. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I agree with you. Um, I think we won in those, in those three 
I don't know if there's necessarily a loser, but I do think that we came out on top. Like the loser will be the loser will be the magic. If Chet and Jabari both are awesome and Paulo's just like eh, the magic blew it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. I gotta get going, but appreciate your time. Yep. Okay, good to see you. Yep, thanks for having me. All right. We bring on my depressed Kings fan go-to, Brandon Rogers. Uh, Did you watch the draft live last night? Were you following on Twitter? What was your What was your setup? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was watching it. I mean, I've probably looked up mock drafts for the whole time since the the lottery, and like just looking at all the outcomes that could be possible. Like, we're, and then we're ninety nine percent. ninety nine percent of the outcomes you get Jade Ivy at four. I think yeah. There, there's. <laughs> I mean, I think the 1% other outcome was that we, like, traded back and right. didn't take him out for work. didn't want to pay, play for us. Right. Okay, so, yes. I mean, we don't need to go through all the Kings history. I think a very typical <laughs> explanation is you draft Marvin Bagley and then Luka Doncic is the next pick. I think that's, like, a pretty yep. well-rounded sum of, like, every move of the last year lifetime. Yeah, yeah, sixteen <laughs> years in a row. Yeah. Think, yeah, dude, I get so many people all the time when the draft comes around. I get so many people sending me on Instagram I like know. Luca getting picked. I'm like, dude, I was preaching from day one that Luke we should have picked Luca. Oh, whatever. Here's what. <laughs> here's what the Kings should do. Whatever player they think they should draft, make their make their big board at their pick. Yeah, look at the player they think they should draft. Who's number two and draft the next guy? Yeah, <laughs> that's what they should do. For every real, time. Uh, like it's dude. Our our drafting besides okay, I will I'll give a little respect for like okay, we did a great job drafting uh, Davion Mitchell. I think he actually has turned out to be a top ten rookie out of that class. You did a great um, job drafting Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton, Halliburton, number twelve. Amazing. That was easily the st- unless like someone blows up in the next couple of years, but Tyrese was definitely the steal of the draft. We turned him into Sabonis, which is questionable. Yeah. Um, but then, dude, it's like, okay, Fox, Fox, Fox okay. is okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick Stauskas, Jimmer Fredette, Thomas Robinson, Ben McLemore. Like, uh, I mean, I can't even think of every single player. We, we drafted uh, some Poppy Giannis, Georgiana, some guy, like out of Europe, we have all the connections to Europe, and the one time Luca's there, we don't take him. That's so strange. Yeah, wasn't like we just don't you have like a, an assistant coach that coached him or something like that? Well, dude, when we when we drafted Bagley, our GM was Vladi Divas, like yeah, and and our our owner of the Sacramento Kings, Vivek Ranadive, is literally foreign as well. Like all the connections, like yeah, Kings are gonna take the foreigner. Like why yeah. wouldn't you? Right, but that's that's a lost cause. Yeah. All right. Well, here's my uh, my take on Jaden Ivy was that he's just a bigger John Morant. You know, nothing new there. Similar explosiveness, but also like their demeanor, their shot even looks similar. It's like an awkward little. Yeah, push it's shot. like kind of like pushed in a sense. Yeah. But even their hair is similar. Like it's it literally <laughs> looks like a John Morant clone. It's just like that a couple true. a couple inches bigger. I think he's six four two hundred and Jaws six three one seventy five. So literally just like a, a step up. So he could yeah. he could play the two yard off of Fox. It seemed like totally. a perfect, and you know, Jaw being 6'3, 175, that's probably on a good day, if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah, for real. But Ivy's explosiveness is 10 out of 10. He's active defensively off the ball, instinctively as like a free safety. He's not he's afraid, younger. He's not afraid of big shots or big moments. He's a willing passer too. Like he likes making some highlight passes. Yeah, dude, he's good. He's good off the ball. Like, he's good at cutter, backdoor, running off screens. Like, he can do all those things. Yep. It seemed like a perfect fit to go with Fox, right? I mean, okay, here's what I will say. Do I think Jaden and Ivy would have been the perfect fit for Sacramento? No, I don't. Because, like, because then let's just assume, like, okay, we draft Jaden and Ivy at four. Then we have Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, both playing the guard position. We have Terrence Davis coming off the bench. Um, like, we, we're a pretty – we've always been a very, like, heavy guard rotation team. Mm-hmm. Like, we've never really – I mean, never really had, like, a good amount of, like, small forwards or anything. Well, you tried with uh, Bagley. Yeah, yeah. But uh, – really big. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that obviously turned out to be an amazing project. 
he's gonna be a hall of famer soon um (laughs) (laughs) but uh made zero sense for us to either not draft Jaden Ivy, even though like maybe the fit wasn't the best fit in the world. I don't, I don't think it was the best fit in the world, but like, no, it's not the best fit. It's not, I'm not saying it's the ideal fit, but it it could work. Yeah. Like if we would have had the choice between like, let's say, let's say that, uh, like Paulo and Jaden Ivy were both on the same level of like skill and they were viewed as like both like, like, uh, equivalent of like talent. Uh-huh. then yes we would have picked paulo because he's a forward but that's that would be because of the fit and like not because jade and ivy like is not as good i mean we literally had so many teams i mean rumors but that, no way they're not true like at least some of them that like a ton of teams like new york detroit um seattle supersonics were even contacting us like everyone was hitting us up <laughs> saying okay hey, we're, we're gonna do some expansion up. the next five years we just have to yeah, get ahead yeah. of the curve and get ivy <laughs> yeah like we want to take him at four and then the kings were just like oh okay perfect like i'll tell you what we're we're not gonna take him at four like you can have him for free and, and then the other team's like well we were gonna make a trade offer to, and they're like well we'll just how about this we'll just not take him and then we'll all be happy like we'll get our guy at four keegan murray and then you guys just take the ivy at five like you guys yeah. have him. like oh yeah. my gosh like i i think keegan murray is gonna be a good player i don't know how good of a player he'll be like i actually think he'll be like i think he'll be kind of between like a less athletic rudy gay um type player maybe like best case scenario yeah he doesn't Um, like blow your socks off but he'll be fine yeah like he'll be a good player for the next 10 years i'm sure like he'll he'll have a, a role on every team he's on yeah but it's just like dude how are you guys so brain dead that mm-hmm. you don't trade no one was taking keegan murray at four except the sacramento kings right and i don't care if they think he's gonna be the next michael jordan no one else bought that so take that to your advantage yeah. trade back get a couple more pieces and then and then take him at five or six or seven like it's it's the markel fultz uh lonzo ball jason tatum thing where the celtics had the yeah. number one pick and they wanted tatum but tatum didn't have the value to be the number one pick so it's like hey let's move back to three the Lakers are going to take yeah. Lonzo no matter what. The Sixers want Markel. Yeah. Swap with the Sixers, take some more assets back, move back to three, get Tatum. Yeah. Like it's, it's a simple fleece, and that's good business. It's the easiest. Like, it's, you don't need to think that much to realize yeah. how easy it is. Like, even if it was just, like, a, a low-tier second-round pick, if you traded back one to Detroit, like, call up Detroit and be like, yo, we're taking Jaden Ivey. Like, tough luck. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, <laughs> hey, let's, let's do this. Like. Well, then apparently no we'll just let you take them and we'll take our like come on man yeah here's my 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 take on the kings it's like don't be concerned with fit unless you're like the last your 15th guy away from being a championship level team right don't be concerned with fit when you suck basically even if you're good take the best player i think the only justification the kings have for not taking him is if Jaden Ivey like made it very clear to the Kings, do not draft me. Like I do not want to play in Sacramento. I'm gonna leave as soon as yeah. possible. I'm gonna throw a fit and yeah. hold out. And even still, if Jaden Ivey did that to the Kings, the Kings should be savvy enough business-wise to keep yeah. that under the table, trade him, and not let other teams find out. So if that was exactly. the case, other teams must have known about it. So they're like, why would we trade? They're not gonna take him anyways. But still, the Pistons wanted him and Teams were, yeah. calling the, teams were calling the Pistons asking if he was available. Yeah. And they're like, like no, they're like, he's oh, not. the Kings, yeah, Kings aren't take, Kings aren't trading us for the four, so I guess we'll try to hit up Detroit. Here's the only. Well, thing. then okay. Here's the only thing with not maybe maybe the Pistons knew that Ivy was not going to be drafted by the Kings, so they're like, let's just stand yeah. pat here. And the yeah, only like, reason the only reason the Kings wouldn't move back is if they really like Keegan Murray, but if they trade back with like Indiana at six or the King or the Knicks at like 11 or like Portland at seven yeah, yeah. for them to get Ivy, then the Pistons probably would have drafted Keegan Murray. And then maybe the Kings yeah. said like, we at least want one of these two guys. Ivy yeah. doesn't want to be here. Let's take Murray. That's the only thing, but even still yeah. trade with Pistons to move back a spot. Like if you want Ivy, I know. You, you give me an extra pick for it. Or like, or like some like money compensation or something, yeah. man. Like we'll see. And then the other, the other thing that's, like screwed about the Kings right now is so our GM Monte Morris 
I think he's so he's he's the one that drafted like uh, Davion Mitchell. He drafted Tyrese Halliburton. Actually, did he draft Tyrese? I think he did. But uh, like he's he's had a good record for drafting so far, which I've been like really happy about. Like we've gotten really good picks. Maybe not the smartest moves during the season and the off season, but if we're just talking about draft picks, like the talent that we've got from it from the guys up top have been pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the problem is is that we haven't made this playoffs for 16 years and. Monte Morris is on a he's on a three-year deal, and this is his last year on the deal. Mm. And our stupid freaking owner, Vivek Ranadive, won't sign him to an extension. And so what I'm thinking is like, he's in this position. If we don't make playoffs, I'm out of here. Like there's like why why would they why would they sign me to another agreement if like I was we can't here for three the play years? In. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we didn't even make the play in. Like, holy cow. Um yeah. And so he's in this position where it's like, well, shoot, if I, if I draft this, like if I draft Jaden Ivey and he's more of a project than Keegan Murray, mm. then like maybe we're not going to like see the results immediately. And so then he's like, well, I'm, I've like been trapped in this corner. I have to draft Keegan Murray because he's going to have the most impact this first year. I don't even agree with that, though. I think Ivy's more ready to play now than Murray. Neither do I. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm not saying, yeah. No, no, no. no. It, it's just bad, bad. All right. Like, if you have here, I'm going to list four players. You pick two of them. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Fox, yeah. Halliburton, Mitchell, and Ivy. Dang. Fox, Halliburton, Mitchell, and Ivy. Probably. Oh, so hard for me not to pick Fox. I know. Okay. You have, I'm going to pick an Fox. emotional connection I'm, I'm, to Fox. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm not going to pick Fox for the fact of me having high hopes that Tyrese Halliburton is going to make us regret everything in our entire life. And he's going to become a perennial all-star. So I'll pick Tyrese, and then I'll pick Jaden Ivey. That's who I would pick as well. And the Kings yeah. have selected the opposite, too. Exactly, yeah. And I don't think – I think Davion Mitchell is going to be a really good player. And, like, I think we'll, we'll probably trade him. I'm sure we will. I mean, <laughs> we always end up trading our good guys for a bag of chips. So. This bonus thing is just weird. I mean, that trade is just inexcusable. If you could have taken, if they would have taken Fox for Sabonis or Davion Mitchell and another piece for Sabonis, like keep the best guy. Yeah. Like, I don't, dude, I also hate, I mean, I don't mean to go on a rant, but I hate how we keep around Harrison Barnes. I think he's trash. I think he's so bad. Like, he got a name for himself in Golden State, went yep. to Dallas, got a couple points, and now he's on the Kings. And he like, had some value he, at this last trade deadline. He had, like, I know, he kind of built up his value. Like, that's what, yeah, moving. I know. But he's, he's like the most perfect Kings player ever, dude. Yeah. He's the most mediocre. Slightly like, below average. Yup. And then, yeah. like, you look deep into the stats, like, he's literally the worst closeout defender in the entire league. Like, dude, we oh, – our team is so bad, man. I'm just going to guess. So, the average PER in the league is 15. I'm going to guess Harrison Barnes' PER since he's yeah. been on yeah. the Kings. I bet it's a 13. Probably. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. He's he's like the most average guy. That like he'll he'll show off once in a while, and you're like, oh, dude, Harrison Barnes, man, like, all right. He yeah. was the number one prospect coming out of high school. Fun fact. Good pedigree. I also, dude, I would have been happier if we would have. Now you can disagree with this. I would be fine with that. But I would have been happier if we would have taken Shaden Sharp at four than Keegan Murray. Because Shaden Sharp, I mean, he's got all this hype. Who knows? I mean, when, when the lottery first happened, he was, like, the number four prospect ahead of Jaden Ivey. And then, like, once all the combines started, like, Jaden Ivey just immediately jumped ahead and it never turned back. It's like, come on, man. So Harrison Barnes' PER on his Kings years have been 12.3, 13.3, 15.4, 15.7 this last year. So that was his, his best chance to be traded at the deadline. They didn't do it. Dude, he's, but, he's on the way up. Improving. <laughs> you keep them, keep them. Yeah. Well, oh. I don't like to rub King stuff too much in your face because I know it hurts. I know it runs deep. And you're a, you're a lifer with the King, so it's not like you can just go root for a different team at this point. Yeah. You're you're a pseudo Bucks fan though. Hey, oh, I mean, you went to the I'm, finals. Yeah, I was there for. I went to five games. They Giannis it, won all five of them for me. Like, in their playoff run. Yep, I did. Uh, went went to three Brooklyn games, and then went to game three of the finals and game six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That was wicked. Yeah, big Amazing. Bucks fan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, Wish, you can have, dude, you can have like, an East team. You're allowed to do that since the Kings side. Yeah. I mean, I was living there. Yeah. Riddle me this, dude. Milwaukee is a small freaking market. Uh-huh. Smaller than Sacramento, I would argue. And mm. they're not dumb as rocks. Oh, my gosh. I don't think 16 years, man, without the playoffs. Maybe this is a hot take, but I don't think small market matters anymore because of, of the Internet. Like maybe before the Internet, yeah. small markets matter because you just like couldn't get coverage. But now it doesn't yeah. matter. Like social media is everywhere. The Internet's everywhere. You can you can have just as big as a brand, whether you're playing for the New York Knicks or the Milwaukee Bucks or the Oklahoma City yeah. Thunder. I don't think it matters no, at this point. I agree. I think the most disappointing thing every year when it comes to the draft, and I swear this is only the Kings. Like, I can't right now. I can't think of another team. Maybe I could be mistaken. I told to be willing to admit that. But like every year, the Kings are. We've been in the lottery for 16 years, so it's like I hear this all the time. But every single time it gets close to the draft, you always hear of the top prospects not meeting with Sacramento. Like (laughs) every year, man. I'm like, oh my gosh, like. How, how, how every single player hates us like yeah. because look at us why would they want to come here i don't blame them but it sucks man luca would uh, probably have been the perfect one to kind of change that because he doesn't have yeah. like any kid that grows up here knows that sacramento is like not a place yeah, you want to like, be but luca coming okay. from i mean he didn't have to take it that far but coming from europe though like he doesn't have all those preconceived ideas maybe about like the kings and their history like he would have yeah. been someone that's going to be loyal to whatever team drafted him, like a Dirk or, you know, most heroes are. No, he probably would be. I, or I would Giannis, like you a, know? Yeah, like, I, I guarantee you if Luka was on the Kings right now, he'd still be on the Kings and he'd be, like, Happy I mean, to be we there. would have won the finals already. I mean, Yeah, probably. All right, man. It was great to see you. Thanks for being on. Yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry about the draft. Yeah, it's tough. Whatever. I'm used to it. Thank you. Okay, see ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening to My Wife Hate Sports. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most other places you listen. Also follow us on Instagram at Sports underscore. Have a good week.